Chapter One of the Future of the American Negro. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kirk Ziegler. The Future of the American Negro by Booker T. Washington. Chapter One. In this volume I shall not attempt to give the origin and history of the Negro race either in Africa or in America. My attempt is to deal only with conditions that now exist and bear a relation to the Negro in America and that are likely to exist in the future. In discussing the Negro, it is always to be borne in mind that, unlike all the other inhabitants of America, he came here without his own consent in fact was compelled to leave his own country and become a part of another through physical force it should also be borne in mind in our efforts to change and improve the present condition of the negro that we are dealing with a race which had little necessity to labor in its native country after being brought to america the negroes were forced to labor for about two hundred and fifty years under circumstances which were calculated not to inspire them with love and respect for labor this constitutes a part of the reason why i insist that it is necessary to emphasize the matter of industrial education as a means of giving the black man the foundation of a civilization upon which he will grow and prosper when i speak of industrial education however i wish it always understood that i mean as did general armstrong the founder of the hampton institute for thorough academic and religious training to go side by side with industrial training mere training of the hand without the culture of brain and heart would mean little the first slaves were brought into this country by the dutch in sixteen nineteen and were landed at jamestown virginia the first cargo consisted of twenty the census taken in eighteen ninety shows that these twenty slaves had increased to seven million six hundred and thirty eight thousand three hundred and sixty about six million three hundred and fifty three thousand three hundred and forty one of this number were residing in the southern states and one million two hundred and eighty three thousand and twenty nine were scattered throughout the northern and western states I think I am pretty safe in predicting that the census to be taken in 1900 will show that there are not far from 10 millions of people of African descent in the United States. The great majority of these, of course, reside in the southern states. The problem is how to make these millions of Negroes self-supporting, intelligent, economical, and valuable citizens as well as how to bring about proper relations between them and the white citizens among whom they live. This is the question upon which I shall try to throw some light in the chapters which follow. When the Negroes were first brought to America, they were owned by white people in all sections of this country, as is well known, in the New England, the Middle, and in the Southern States. It was soon found, however, that slave labor was not remunerative in the northern states and for that reason by far the local proportion of the slaves were held in the southern states where their labor in raising cotton rice and sugar-cane was more productive the growth of the slave population in america was constant and rapid beginning as i have stated with fourteen in sixteen nineteen 
the number increased at such a rate that the total number of negroes in america in eighteen hundred was one million one thousand four hundred and sixty three this number increased by eighteen sixty to three million nine hundred and fifty thousand a few people predicted that freedom would result disastrously to the negro as far as numerical increase was concerned but so far the census figures have failed to bear out this prediction on the other hand the census of eighteen ninety shows that the negro population had increased from three million nine hundred and fifty thousand in eighteen sixty to seven million six hundred and thirty eight thousand two hundred and sixty twenty five years after the war it is my opinion that the rate of increase in the future will be still greater than it has been from the close of the war of the rebellion up to the present time for the reason that the very sudden changes which took place in the life of the negro because of having his freedom plunged him into many excesses that were detrimental to his physical well-being of course freedom found him unprepared in clothing in shelter and in knowledge of how to care for his body during slavery the slave mother had little control of her own children and did not therefore have the practice and experience of rearing children in a suitable manner now that the negro is being taught in thousands of schools how to take care of his body and in thousands of homes mothers are learning how to control their children i believe that the rate of increase as i have stated will be still greater than it has been in the past in too many cases the negro had the idea that freedom meant merely license to do as he pleased to work or not to work but this erroneous idea is more and more disappearing by reason of the education in the right direction which the negro is constantly receiving during the four years that the civil war lasted the greater proportion of the negroes remained in the south and worked faithfully for the support of their masters families who as a general rule were away in the war the self-control which the negro exhibited during the war marks it seems to me one of the most important chapters in the history of the race notwithstanding he knew that his master was away from home fighting a battle which if successful would result in his continued enslavement yet he worked faithfully for the support of the master's family if the negro had yielded to the temptation and suggestion to use the torch or dagger in an attempt to destroy his master's property and family the result would have been that the war would have been ended quickly for the master would have returned from the battlefield to protect and defend his property and family but the negro to the last was faithful to the trust that had been thrust upon him and during the four years of war in which the male members of the family were absent from their homes there is not a single instance recorded where he in any way attempted to outrage the family of the master or in any way to injure his property not only is this true but all through the years of preparation for the war and during the war itself the negro showed himself to be an uncompromising friend to the union in fact of all of the charges brought against him there is scarcely a single instance where one has been charged with being a traitor to his country this has been true whether he has been in a state of slavery or in a state of freedom from eighteen sixty five to eighteen seventy six constituted what perhaps may be termed the days of reconstruction 
this was the period when the southern states which had withdrawn from the union were making an effort to reinstate themselves and to establish a permanent system of state government at the close of the war both the southern white man and the negro found themselves in the midst of poverty the ex-master returned from the war to find his slave property gone his farms and other industries in a state of collapse and the whole industrial or economic system upon which he had depended for years entirely disorganized as we review calmly and dispassionately the period of reconstruction we must use a great deal of sympathy and generosity the weak point to my mind in the reconstruction era was that no strong force was brought to bear in the direction of preparing the negro to become an intelligent reliable citizen and voter the main effort seems to have been in the direction of controlling his vote for the time being regardless of future interests i hardly believe that any race of people with similar preparation and similar surroundings would have acted more wisely or very differently from the way the negro acted during the period of reconstruction without experience without preparation and in most cases without ordinary intelligence he was encouraged to leave the field and shop and enter politics that under such circumstances he should have made mistakes is very natural i do not believe that the negro was so much at fault for entering so largely into politics and for the mistakes that were made in too many cases as were the unscrupulous white leaders who got the negro's confidence and controlled his vote further to their own ends regardless in many cases of the permanent welfare of the negro i have always considered it unfortunate that the southern white man did not make more of an effort during the period of reconstruction to get the confidence and sympathy of the negro and thus have been able to keep him in close touch and sympathy in politics it was also unfortunate that the negro was so completely alienated from the southern white man in all political matters i think it would have been better for all concerned if immediately after the close of the war an educational and property qualification for the exercise of the franchise had been prescribed that would have applied fairly and squarely to both races and also if in educating the negro greater stress had been put upon training him along the lines of industry for which his services were in the greatest demand in the south in a word too much stress was placed upon the mere matter of voting and holding political office rather than upon the preparation for the highest citizenship in saying what i have i do not mean to convey the impression that the whole period of reconstruction was barren of fruitful results while it is not a very encouraging chapter in the history of our country i believe that this period did serve to point out many weak points in our effort to elevate the negro and that we are now taking advantage of the mistakes that were made the period of reconstruction served at least to show the world that with proper preparation and with a sufficient foundation the negro possesses the elements out of which men of the highest character and usefulness can be developed i might name several characters who were brought before the world by reason of the reconstruction period i give one as an example of others hon blanche k bruce who had been a slave but who held many honorable positions in the state of mississippi including an election to the united states senate 
where he served a full term. Later he was twice appointed Register of the United States Treasury. In all these positions Mr. Bruce gave the greatest satisfaction, and not a single whisper of dishonesty or incompetency has ever been heard against him. During the period of his public life he was brought into active and daily contact with northern and southern white people, all of whom speak of him in the highest measure of respect and confidence. What the Negro wants and what the country wants to do is to take advantage of all the lessons that were taught during the days of Reconstruction, and apply these lessons bravely, honestly, in laying the foundation upon which the Negro can stand in the future and make himself a useful, honorable, and desirable citizen, whether he has his residence in the North, the South, or the West. End of chapter 1